This is Foothill Family Church with Mike Webb. Building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word. Do you realize that there are seven different raptures spoken of in the Bible? Three of them have already occurred and four of them are yet to come. You want me to tell you what they are? Remember the Bible says in Genesis chapter 5, about verse 23, somewhere around there, it talks about Enoch. It said, Enoch walked with God and was not, for God took him. How? Did he stab him in the heart? How did he take him? He raptured him. He caught him up. That's what it means. He was not, for God took him. It means he vanished. He disappeared. Remember Elijah? Elijah and Elisha are out for a walk. Elijah knows this is the day he's going home to be with the Lord. He tries to get Elisha to stick behind. Elisha won't leave, let him go. He knows what's going on. He won't let him go. So finally he says, okay, why won't you leave me, Elisha? Why won't you do what I tell you to do? And he says, I know this is the day you're going. And I'm going to stick with you. And he said, well, why are you going to try to stay with me? He said, because I want a double portion of what you've got. And he said, well, you've asked a hard thing. It wasn't hard for God. And it didn't even turn out to be too hard for Elisha, but in, in Elijah's mind, it was a hard thing. And so he said, if you see me when I go, then you can have what you want. And all of a sudden, it says, they went along their way, and out of heaven came a, 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 a chariot of fire. And Elisha looks up and says, my Lord, the chariot of fire and the horsemen thereof. It comes down, Elijah steps in, and takes off. When Elijah was caught up, that's a rapture, folks. God took him. You remember in Acts chapter 1, it tells how that Jesus was walking with his disciples. This is after he's been raised from the dead. He says in verse 8, he says, well, maybe we ought to look at this one. Let me, let me point this one out. You don't have to turn there, but I'll, I'll flip to it real quick. Acts chapter 1, he says in verse 8, But you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and Judea and in all Samaria and under the uttermost part of the earth. Verse 9, and when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. Now, cloud is used, same word cloud is used for end-time people, crowds, as it is for white puffy things in the air. So you decide for yourself what this means. But it says Jesus was taken up. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, Behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, You men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? Now, is that a serious question? If Jesus was standing here with you and all of a sudden he went up in the air, would you not be looking? Man, I'm going to be constantly staring all the time. But the problem is, that's what a lot of people are doing. They're missing what's going on around and here on the earth because they're staring up in heaven all the time. And that's what the angels are trying to get them to stop doing. He says, For I stand you here gazing up into heaven. This same Jesus which is taken up from you into heaven shall so come in like manner. Well, since we know that Jesus is coming back with people, that tells me the cloud must have been people. At least it's a pretty good indication. The same Jesus which is taken up from you, taken up, taken up, taken up from you. What happened? He was raptured. Rapture just means to be caught up. Which was taken up from you in heaven shall so come in like manner as you have seen him go into heaven. Then they return to Jerusalem. 
That's the third rapture. The fourth rapture is the one that Paul is talking about in 1 Thessalonians 4. It's the rapture of the church. The fifth rapture is the rapture, the catching away of the great multitude midway or halfway through the tribulation period. The sixth rapture is the rapture of the of the um, uh, uh, tribulation saints at the end of the tribulation period. And the seventh rapture is the rapture of the two witnesses on the last day of the tribulation. There's seven different raptures, folks. God doesn't have a problem with catching people up. We think about being bound to the earth. God doesn't. Heaven's a real place. God lives there. And the time is fast approaching when the distance between heaven and earth is going to be compressed. And travel between heaven and earth will be compressed and increased. Turn with me now to uh, 2 Timothy. Before we go to Matthew, 2 Timothy chapter 3. This know also that in the last days, second letter he writes to Timothy, he's still talking about end time stuff. Must be important. This also know that in the last days, perilous times shall come. The word perilous means dangerous. It means strength reducing times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, that means undisciplined, Fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. Notice that one, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. Can I ask you a question? Aren't the unsaved like that all the time anyway? He can't be talking about the world. Unsaved people are like that all the time. You can't trust their word. They're fierce, they're traitors, they're heady, they're high-minded, they're lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. He's got to be talking about the church. He's talking about things creeping into the church in the last days. Notice the next verse he says in uh, verse 5, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof. From such turn away. Now he says these are things that are specific to the last days. I would submit to you that there have always been Christians that have operated that way because that's the way the world operates. So he must be talking about some kind of increase. He must be talking about some kind of um, exponential increase in the behavior of the church, of Christians in the last days. And notice that it says having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof. Folks, other religions already fit that bill. They have a form of godliness but they deny the, the power thereof. What is this? What does this mean relative to the church? Well, remember Romans chapter 1 and verse 16. Paul said, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes, the Jew first and also to the Greek. So he's saying the gospel or the word of God is the power of God unto salvation. So if something has a form of godliness but denies the power, that has to mean, and we see a lot of that today, people claiming to be Christians but turning away from the truth of the word as far as a lifestyle. And, folks, that's the key to deception. To say you're one thing, but reject the word in your life. So what is he saying? He's saying the sign of the end. If you go through all of those things, we won't take time to even go through the list one by one. But if you take all of those things, it comes down to two things. It comes down to selfish and unfaithful. Selfishness and unfaithfulness will be signs of the end time church. That doesn't mean everybody in the church. 
Because the Bible talks about the glory of the latter house, the glory of the last day church being greater than the former. So you're going to have some part of the church, a segment of the church, that is standing on the word and doing exploits in the name of Jesus. Signs and wonders and miracles to bring in the precious fruit of the earth that Jesus is waiting to come back for. But you're also going to have a segment of the church. I don't know what percentages are, but you're going to have a segment of the church that is operating in selfishness and in unfaithfulness. Denying the word. So what's the answer for this? Skip with me over chapter 4. Paul says to, uh, to Timothy, he said, I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom. Preach the word. What's the answer? Preach the word. Timothy, you know this is going to be the condition of the church. Paul's just told you the spirit of God's telling him over and over and over again. He's written you two letters about the end. What's the answer? Preach the Word. Join Mike Webb and Foothill Family Church every Sunday night at 6 p.m. for our weekly healing school. Healing school is for those who are in need of being healed from sickness in their body, as well as those who want to strengthen their faith in the area of healing. Faith begins where the will of God is known. Here's why the Word of God is the power of God, because it reveals God's will. When you can find God's words on a subject, whether it's healing, whether it's finances, whether it's peace, whatever area you have need of, you find what God's word says, you've just found God's will in that area. Foothill Family Church is in Orange County at the corner of Bake Parkway and Lake Forest Drive, just minutes off the 5 Freeway. To learn more about how you and your family can connect with Foothill Family Church, simply log on to MikeWeb.tv. I know there's a lot of controversy in the body of Christ about when's the rapture, when's the rapture. Well, I already gave you, there's... uh, uh, Four different raptures yet to come. One of them before the tribulation, that's the rapture of the church, and three of them during the tribulation. That's why there's so much controversy in the body of Christ. That's why so many people think uh, that, well, there's going to be a rapture. The rapture is going to take place at the midpoint of the tribulation. Well, are they right or are they wrong? Yeah, they're right. But it's not the church that's raptured. It's those who get saved in the first half of the tribulation that are going to be raptured at the midpoint. Then those that get saved from the midpoint to the end will be raptured at the end of the tribulation. Now, it's a short rapture. They're caught up into the air, meet Jesus, and come immediately back to the earth. So it's a short ride. So that's why people th- some people think there's a rapture before the tribulation. There is. It's the church. There's a rapture in the middle of the tribulation. There is. That's the great multitude. And there's a rapture at the end of the tribulation. There is. Those are the ones that get saved at the, the, during the last half. The important thing, folks, is make the first trip. Okay, did you still find, uh, you still got your finger over in Matthew chapter 24? Turn back there with me. See one of the things Jesus said. Verse 1, And Jesus went out and departed from the temple, and his disciples came to him to show him the buildings of the temple. For to show him the buildings of the temple. Jesus, let me show you Herod's temple. <sighs> wow. And Jesus said unto them, See ye not all these things? Verily I say unto you, There shall not be left here one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. In other words, Jesus said, I'm not impressed with this. This is Herod's temple, not God's. And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, Tell us, when shall these things be? Now, what things? What is the only thing that he said? The temple will be destroyed. He said, when shall these things be? And what shall be the sign of your coming and of the end of the world? Three questions. When is the temple going to be destroyed? What's going to be the sign of your coming? They must know he's coming back. At this point in time, Jesus has clearly began to teach them that he's going to be killed, he's going to be crucified, and he's coming back to the earth. 
He's told them plainly. And so they're asking, when are you coming back? That'd be my question too, wouldn't it yours? Okay, I don't like the crucifixion and dying part. Resurrection, okay, that sounds good. You coming back, that sounds great. When is that going to be? But then they say they recognize that the sign of, that they recognize that the coming back of Jesus is not the end of the world because they ask a separate question about that. Three things. When is the temple going to be destroyed? When are you coming back? And what's the end, what's the sign of the end of the world? And Jesus answers. Jesus knows that they're not going to be around to see, or many of them at least, are not going to be around to see any of these things. The temple is destroyed in 70 A.D. And so if any of them are alive, that's the only one of the answers to the questions that they're ever going to witness physically. So he does not answer, okay, question number one, here's your answer. Question number two, here's that answer. Question number three, here's that answer. He gives them a broad picture. He said, here's the information you need to know about the end. Now, he left it to us. Now, remember, the Bible tells us that Jesus taught in parables so that everybody would have to dig to find the answer. Jesus did not lay it out so that everybody could say, one, two, three, four, five. Jesus put it together for us to understand by judging it against other scripture. And so he answers. He said, take heed that no man deceive you. What are they asking? When's the temple going to be destroyed? What's the sign of your coming? And what's the sign of the end of the world? The first thing Jesus said is, watch out that you don't be deceived. What does that tell me? That tells me that concerning the end times and Jesus coming back, deception is going to be a real big deal. Take heed that no man deceive you. For many shall come in my name, shall come in my name, shall come in my name. Who comes in the name of Jesus? Preachers. If somebody stood up and said, forget this Jesus stuff. I come in the name of the angel Gabriel. Are you interested? They just lost me. I don't care about Gabriel. The Bible says at the end, I'll rule over Gabriel. So will you. Who cares about that? No, the deception comes by people saying, I come in the name of Jesus. God sent me. And guess what? They'll say, I am Christ and shall deceive many. I do not believe for one minute that Jesus is saying that people will say, I come in the name of Jesus and I'm him. That's going to be a pretty easy way to distinguish whether or not somebody's Jesus, wouldn't you think? I mean, when he came the first time, he proved himself. I don't think for one moment that he's talking about people saying, I am the Christ. But what does Christ mean? Christ means anointed one. It means way to God. He's saying people will come in my name, meaning in the name of God, saying, claiming to be sent by God, in other words, saying there are other ways to God and shall deceive many. There's only one way to God, that's through the name of Jesus, and there's only one way to fellowship with God, and that's through his word. And the word of God is the only thing that keeps you from being deceived. So again, he's talking about departing from the word. For many shall come in my name saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. Now he's talking about signs. One of the things they asked him was about signs of the end. He said, and you shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you be not troubled. We hear a lot about wars nowadays. What are we supposed to do? Well, the Bible says don't be afraid of that. Don't be concerned about it. Don't be troubled by it. 
For all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in diverse places. All of these are the beginning of sorrows. All these are the beginning of sorrows. All these are the beginning of sorrows. All these are the beginning of sorrows. Is it possible that he means tribulation when he talks about beginning of sorrows? Well, then that means all of these things will be in place. All of these things identified in verse uh, 7 will be in place at or subsequent to the rapture, surrounding the time of the rapture. Now, the Bible doesn't tell us that, that you know, the rapture happens on Sunday and Monday afternoon, the tribulation starts. Or it doesn't say it's an instant thing. It doesn't say anything like that. There could be a period of time. There could be the rapture of the church and, and several years go by and then tribulation begins. We do know the beginning point of the tribulation. We'll talk about that next week. We do know exactly when the tribulation begins, not date and time, but the event that signals the beginning of the tribulation. But the Bible doesn't tell us. I've always assumed and I grew up thinking that the church is raptured and instantly the tribulation starts. Well, the Bible doesn't say that. It stands to reason that since the church is the only thing that's keeping the Antichrist from being revealed up front, that it wouldn't, it, it doesn't seem to me to be feasible that the, that the world would go along very long without the presence of the church. But still, you know, what do I know? Who knows? But we can definitely identify that there are certain things we can look for. We can look for wars as signs of the end. We can look for nations against nations and kingdoms against kingdoms. The word nation is the word ethnos. It means racial wars, and it means government or country wars. So you see civil wars in certain countries, ethnic groups against ethnic groups. That's this sign. You see nations lining up against each other. That's one of these signs. Pestilences means plagues. Folks, we haven't seen the last plague. AIDS was the last one. We quit hearing about that so much because they're, they've uh, made some progress in that regard, but you haven't seen the last one. And famines. Notice it says famines. Did you know that the world's uh, farmland is decreasing by 8% per year? Food shortage is on the way. Not only that, but look at the government regulation that tells you what you can grow and how you can grow it and all that other kind of stuff. It's squeezing the food supply. These things are on the way. Now, notice something else it says. It says, uh, uh, where is it, verse? Verse 9, we'll, we'll keep going here a little bit. Verse 9, then they shall deliver you up to be afflicted and they shall kill you and shall be hated of all, you shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. Now, that's happened almost immediately. You remember James was killed by Herod, and Peter was put in jail, and he was going to kill him too. So he's talking about things. He's mixing some things up. These are things that began to take place. I believe that they'll also increase toward the end of time as well. But these are things that began to increase as the persecution rose against the church. And then shall many be offended and shall betray one another and shall hate one another, and many false prophets shall rise and shall deceive many. Do you know there are more warnings? Paul gave more warnings about false teachers and false prophets than he warned about any other thing in his letters. You need to be careful who you listen to. You need to judge the fruit of somebody's life to see if they're, they're worthy of listening to, worthy of your attention. Judge it by the word. Now notice verse 12, and it says, Because the iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. You know what this is saying? It's saying one of the signs of the end is that as things get worse and worse, a lot of people will just give up. Because iniquity shall abound, 
the love of many shall wax cold. Love of, toward what? Lord, to other, love toward other Christians. Lord, to, love toward the family of God. Love toward God. They'll just withdraw. What do people do when economic times get tough? They pull back on their giving. They pull back on their on, on involvement. They pull back. They begin, the natural tendency is to hunker down. That's what the Bible says is one of the signs of the end. Don't be like that. Don't live according to the, to the world's way of doing things. Live according to what the Word says. The Word's true whether the economy's up or down. But he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations. And then shall the end come. Skip with me over to, uh, skip with me over to verse 37. It says, but as the days of Noah were, so also shall the coming of man, the Son of Man be. For as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark. And they knew not until the flood came and took them all away. So also shall the coming of the Son of Man be. Now this is talking about the rapture. Because he's talking about the coming of the Son of Man. He's talking about the appearing of the Son of Man. This is talking about the rapture. He, Jesus identifies the signs as being like the signs of Noah's day. What was happening in Noah's day? People were eating and drinking, giving in, uh, marrying and giving in marriage. Notice that those are the same two things that Paul identified as signs of the end when he wrote to Timothy. Jesus puts the same emphasis on marriage and eating that Paul does by the Spirit of God years later when he writes to Timothy. Now, in a general sense, this means people are about their business, they're taking care of their life, and they're not concerned about the things of God. I don't have any doubt about that whatsoever. But remember, the Bible says that Noah was 100 years building the ark. You know what that means? That means Noah preached for 100 years about a flood. And I don't mean he stood up every day and proclaimed, there's a flood coming, there's a flood coming. I'm sure there were days where he did that. But every day that he's hammering a nail... Every day he's putting something in place. Every day that he's out there working on this thing, and he did for a hundred years. Every day is a witness that there's a flood coming. Well, I wonder what people did. Maybe on the first couple of days they said, flood, oh, wow, what's flood? No, you're going to have to tell us about this. Well, there's going to be a lot of water, and there's going to be covered in water, and everything's going to die. Man, I'd be concerned about that. But a week or two goes by, and then a year or two goes by, and then 20 years goes by, and then 30 years goes by, and they say, oh, crazy Noah, he's still out there hammering nails. People fall asleep. He said that's what it's going to be like at the end. For who? For the world? Folks, the world's already asleep. Not only are they asleep, they're dead. What's the difference in a dead man and a man is asleep? Well, from a distance, you can't tell the difference. They're both laying still. They look the same. He's not talking about the world. He's talking about the church. Verse 40. Then shall two. Here's, here's how we know this is talking about the rapture. Then shall two be in the field. The one shall be taken and the other is left. That's the rapture. Two women shall be grinding at the mill. The one shall be taken and the other left. What are we to do? Verse 42. Watch therefore. Watch therefore. For you know not what hour your Lord does come. But know this, that if the goodman of the house had known in what watch the thief would come, he would have watched and would not have suffered his house to be broken up. 
Therefore be ye also ready, for in such an hour as you think not, the Son of Man cometh. Who then is a faithful and wise servant over whom his Lord has made him ruler over his household to give him meat in due season? Blessed is that servant whom his Lord, shall, when he cometh, shall find so doing. Verily I say unto you that he shall make him ruler over all of his goods. Folks, there's a blessing for faithfulness. It's a blessing for faithfulness. I know you kept reading and it's talking about the one that doesn't and all that kind of stuff. I don't want to end on a negative. Let's end on a positive. There's a blessing for faithfulness. We're supposed to see the times that we're living in. Let me just make this statement. Accept it at face value, if you will. Check it out if you want to. I invite you to do so. There is not one prophecy left to fulfill for Jesus to come back. Not one. It's the only time in the history of the world that that can be said. Not one prophecy. There is only one thing left to be done before Jesus comes back, and that is for the shout to come from heaven. That means we're living, uh, well, the, the, the common phrase is living on borrowed time. It's not borrowed time. We're living in extra innings. As far as prophecy is concerned, the game's over. Time is up. The clock has expired. Well, then why wasn't, didn't Jesus come back the instant the last prophecy was fulfilled? There's only one reason, and that is the Bible says that Jesus is waiting for the precious fruit of the earth. He's waiting for people to come into the kingdom. He's not trying to see how many people will go to hell. He's trying to see how many people can I get into my family. That has everything to do with faithfulness. It has everything to do with you being faithful to what God's called you to do. It has everything to do with you using the gifts God's given you in the manner that he wants you to use them. It has everything to do with you not being weary in well-doing. Because in due season, you will reap if you faint not. That's what Paul wrote to the Galatians. We've got a responsibility. Because Jesus paid a great price for us. We're living in the last of the last days. We're living in the last of the last days. The Lord showed me something this last week about how much time we've got left. I've always talked about, I don't know how much time we've got left, but it could be close. I'm careful about buying green bananas. But the Lord showed me something, and it's in that story about Noah, as it was in the days of Noah. We just read over in First Thessalonians that we should not be taken unawares. We should have an idea. I got an idea. I've got a plan now. I've never had more than a five-year plan, and it's always been about, I don't know when Jesus is coming back, but I've got a plan now for further. And that's the reason I believe why God gave it to me. But I see some things. And folks, if a day with the Lord is just a thousand years, we've got hours left. If what I've got is right, we've got hours left. According to the signs around us, the signs in the church, the signs in the world, we've got hours. Let's be ready. The Bible tells us that Jesus is coming back to receive us unto himself. This is known as the rapture. But the Bible also says that he's coming back for a glorious church. That means a church that's filled with the glory of God. That means a church that demonstrates the character and the nature of God. Thanks for watching. 
Come visit us at Foothill Family Church. This is Foothill Family Church with Mike Webb. You're looking at the problems in your body or the problems in your finances. What do you see? So many people are waiting for God to do something on their behalf. And they've got the life of God in them all the time. How much more abundant does the life of God that caused you to be born again have to be for your situation to change? Join us Sundays at 9.30 a.m. and 6 p.m. or Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Visit us online at mikeweb.tv. Foothill Family Church, building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word.